0: The show is produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcasted nationally on the Community Radio Network. I'm Tanhang Pham. Women on the Line acknowledges this program is produced and presented on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri peoples of the Kulin Nations. We acknowledge elders past, present and becoming as well as the owners of the lands you are hearing us from. On today's Women on the Line, we chat with Odissi dancer and teacher Monica Singh Sawan and her student Ewan Su about classical Indian dance, passing on tradition and knowledge, and how a classical art form can grow beyond its birthplace. Ewan Su has been dancing Odissi for four and a half years under renowned Odissi dancer Monica Singh Sawan at Dance House Carlton. She is a Malaysian residing in Australia and is currently doing a postgrad in education. She also works in a social enterprise that promotes food sustainability. Do you feel like growing up in Malaysia has had any influence on um, you wanting to learn classical Indian dance in Australia?
1: So when I, when I was growing up in Malaysia, I, was, I, I grew up in a very close-knit Chinese community culture where we were not exposed to other cultures in Malaysia. Like, for example, the, um, the Malay culture or the Indian culture or the indigenous um, people of Malaysian. So when I came to Australia, my identity as a Chinese Malaysian sort of was there, but at the same time, I was amazed of all these other cultures. Mm. So when I went back to Malaysia, one of my aim was to go beyond, to look beyond my own identity as a Chinese Malaysian and to explore what Malaysian was. what 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 Malaysian is. At that time I was also introduced or got to know um, Ramli Ibrahim and um, January Lau and I watched their performances and I got really interested in Odyssey and so when I came back to Australia to Melbourne I put my foot down and said that I want to learn an Indian classical dance. Mm -hmm.
0: Monica Singh Sangwan is a Visharad in Odissi dance from Gadhavara Mahavidyalaya, New Delhi, and is a senior disciple of renowned Odissi dancer Madhavi Madgal. She has toured and held workshops nationally and internationally granted a permanent residency by the Australian government under the Distinguished Talent Visa category. She moved to Melbourne in 2010 and is currently teaching Odyssey at Dance House in Carlton. And what about for you, Monica? Like, how did you come to learn Odyssey And um, I guess, like, why have you stayed all these years?
2: So when I was five years old, uh, my mother, she is a pianist. She had always had the dream that she wanted all her children, we are five of us, should be engaged in artistic pursuits so she did put me on the piano but I guess I already had more of a dancers um, I don't know dancers uh, body mind in me so I used to rebel and I used to say that I can stand and play the piano I refuse to sit and play it so it ended up many times in tears and um, she could see that I was more inclined towards dance. So she sent me to uh, a dancer who lived not very far from our house, but she she was, and she still is, one of the most famous dancers in India. Her name is Srimati Man Singh, And from that age, I started training with Srimati Uh She was a disciplinarian. It was tough as a child to be so regimented and disciplined, but I guess that somehow built... My personality uh, made me more aware of not just the discipline required for the dance itself. It made me more aware about the uh, human nature. As a student, I used to observe my teacher very deeply. And when you're a child, you see things that adults think that you don't see, but you see it all. I can't say that I really enjoyed the class because any child with any common sense would rather prefer to run out into the garden or in the park and just go wild playing in the mud. But somehow I think there was some part of the discipline was already a part of my natural nature and I flourished in it in a different way. But when I reached my teens, which is around 15, 16, I was ready to rebel against my mother or maybe whatever regiment it was. Though I loved Bharatnatyam, which is another beautiful ancient classical Indian dance which has 2000 year old and older roots in it. I saw a production by my next teacher uh, called sohamasmi And suddenly my eyes opened out to the possibilities of what dance can be and how it can reach our own inner consciousness. And that is what I wanted to do. I also believed that this is the dance style that sang to me and I felt that this is what my body wanted to do. So my rebellion was actually very short, very small. So from one dance style, I just went on to the other. Teachers in India are also uh, somewhere, well, I, I can't blame them. They are a bit, um, they like to hold on to their students because of course she, she trained me for so long. It wasn't an easy transition for me, but I had to start from the scratch. And at the age of 17, I started learning Odissi from Madhvidi. And uh, then I carried on and And Odissi has been my life breath ever since. And uh, I have now been teaching for quite a number of years. And I feel amazed at the transformation that I can see that through dance, that I see the transformation in the students who come to me in all shapes and sizes and mental states and life backgrounds and plans or maybe no plans. And then just as I start correcting their posture and gently putting them through the paces of, you know, the dance style, I see how their spine gets straighter, how their gaze gets much more focused, how their smile gets another kind of an intensity of confidence and all of that really inspires me to keep teaching, to keep dancing, to keep influencing people. Because the dance is not just about the dance. The dance is about the people and the influence it has on their inner being, on them on them as you know, human beings in this world who are trying to find a purpose to their existence. And it doesn't mean that every person is going to turn into a classical dancer and that is not the motivation with which I'm teaching. Out of a thousand, maybe one or two, will take it up professionally but the transformation that will happen in the many various people who will engage in it is going to inform their life choices, is going to make them, it will take them closer to whatever is their life purpose, it will make them kinder human beings, it will, it creates an amazing eye for aesthetic beauty, they see the world with a different eye, they appreciate of course discipline is part of it but they appreciate the not the routineness of the life but their ability to remove themselves from the fragmentation that life puts us into and to create a completeness in their whole being that is what odyssey has given me and as a teacher as a dancer as an artist I just want to pass this on to the people who come to me due to different fate and circumstances or whatever it is that pulls them Uh, I don't believe Odyssey is ever going to be something that is going to be a mass product and God forbid it ever be that way. Um, But there will always be people in this world who will feel attracted to it, who will come to it and will keep it going with whatever it is that helps them by being engaged with it.
0: Women on the line. The dance world here, my experience of it here, it's very much performative but we know that with performance there always has to be practice. So I guess like with Odyssey Dance with your experience how do you view like teaching in India but then teaching here and your experience of the dance world there versus the dance world here?
2: The first biggest difference for me uh, between India and Australia was that in India uh, it is usually because it's such a it's so rooted in the culture People send their children from a small age, like I myself was sent at the age of five to learn dance. And that is essentially, you know, even here, if you send any child for classical training, be it ballet, be it violin, be it whatever, you know, singing, you send them at a small age and they get trained from that age. So similarly in India, I had all these young children and sometimes teenagers who were sent to me uh, by their parents. So I cannot say 100% that they were coming to me of their own volition and their will. But my, uh, as I keep saying is my poor jokes would inspire them to keep coming to class. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so when they would reach a crucial age, which is the age of 16, 17, there would be the pressures of the outside world, the attraction, the, the boys or the girls or, you know, uh, class 12 um, examinations and everything. And I would see their interest beginning to go all over the place. And it would be very tiresome for me to pull them back in. And I'm not in that way a forceful person. I don't, I, I would rather force people through love you know and and motivation then uh, regimented in with rigidity that no i want you here you cannot pull somebody in out of fear though at a small age we were pulled in by fear mm-hmm. and uh, that would sometimes be a little disappointing to me as an artist because just as the as the student is ready for me to compose and create and and envision a group and you know ...put some kind of a choreography that is churning inside me... ...those students are beginning to sort of get busy here and there. That was India. When I came to Australia, surprisingly, I have only recently acquired children's students... ...which is about just three or four of them. But uh, the majority, 99% of the people who are learning from me are grown adults. And they come because there is something in them which is pulling them towards the dance style... Their bodies are, of course, not at the optimum learning, you know, ability age. But with yoga and exercises and and the dance itself, I, and this is what I explain to my students also, is that sometimes it might feel that I'm giving or pushing you a little too fast. But there is a certain race that I am running against is that, they don't have the luxury of going on and on like a five-year-old child would have had. I want to, in the minimum amount of time, make them capable of feeling that exquisiteness of beauty in their body within lesser number of years and that is where you know I'm always experimenting slowly sometimes you know you teach somebody how to swim by throwing them in the water and making sure they don't drown you're watching them but then you have to let them flounder a little and even here was one of my experiments a successful uh, experiment I would say uh, because she came from zero background Mm. she had zero idea of any kind of dance or arts for Mm. that matter Mm. And but I could see in her there was some kind of a determination and I could see her body we, uh, we laugh and we call it the octopus body. She can do amazing things with the body, a very flexible body. But more than that, she is she was somebody who listened carefully, deeply, and then she would apply it precisely. She's the kind who will try and try and try again, fall on her face and again she'll try mm-hmm. and then succeed. And so This is how I changed my training. So the difference that you asked from me is that is a very simple thing. These are people who are coming out of their own volition. They pay to be there and they are not being sent by parents and they are free to walk out if they don't like it. Mm. And I don't have to sort of pull them towards me. It is not about me. It is the dance itself. Let this dance style slowly seep in into the city, I would say. First into the city and then later into the country. So it has to be a a, a slow movement. But it's a grassroots movement. I come from India and grassroots movement was, I I believe, born there. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And uh, Almost
0: like a... What you were saying the other day, a drip irrigation. A drip effect. irrigation. A drip <laughs>
2: irrigation effect from every hole. There is a slow seepage of water on the surface. It looks like everything is dry. You scrape the earth, it's wet all under, and it's ready
0: to flourish. On community radio around Australia, you're listening to Monica Singh Sawan and Ewan Su talk about Odissi dance as a growing art form. I'm your host, Tan Hung Pham, and you're listening to Women on the Line. Don't forget, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Mm -hmm.
2: And that is what I feel like I'm doing. See, there is also this huge, not negative thing, but... There is a misconception in the minds of people and I would also attribute it somewhere to the Indian community itself that it feels like classical dance is only for the Indians Mm. or people from that background and this art form is pushed into a community space. It is not for a community. An art form might originate in some part of the world, but it belongs to everyone. Everyone, Mm. it is the birthright of every human being in this world if they feel attracted to that uh, art form and if they have respect for it and if they are willing to learn it with discipline, dedication and respect, then it belongs to them. It does not necessarily belong to a community. It Mm. becomes yours. And that community can be part of it. And that is where for me it is very inspiring to see that the, the 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 people who have come to me are coming from different different kind. I could never have in my wildest dreams imagined the kind of different backgrounds from which all these young women are coming and sadly it's not so many men i don't know that will be in my next project is to break yes. the misconception that a disease is only for Women, The varied background, like we have even you you yourself, you know, Vietnamese Mm -hmm. background, we have American background, of course, we've had Iranian background, Malaysian, Sri Lankan, Bangladesh, Mm -hmm. you name it, everybody, (laughs) it's like the whole, because Melbourne is so representative of so many different cultures that have come together. And from those cultures, I have also... Very aggressively placed myself in the center of the city, and I refuse to go into a place which has a more Indian population. Maybe I would have about a hundred students there, but it means zero to me. It means nothing to me if it does not reach out to the larger community, the mixed community that is Melbourne.
1: Women's on the line. <laughs> oh, that
2: was women on the line. Women
1: on the line. <laughs> <laughs>
0: when I'm aware that you have taught some of the younger students as well. I'm interested to know what it was like for you learning Odyssey but then also teaching some young students in the class
1: and what that felt like to, I guess, be part of that passing on of um, knowledge. When Monica Ji first asked me to teach the young children in the class, I was quite excited in a way that when I do the steps or dance, all of this imagination comes in. It is a very visual thinking about, you know, scooping ice cream or, you know, like drawing rainbows. So when Monica G asked me to teach the young children, I just thought that, great, you know, I can just apply all of my little imaginations to them in a way that they can, you know, relate the steps, not as a dry, abstract way of learning dance, but it is more like drawing on an empty space. Mm. and the response was good. I think that the children were learning in a fun way and I was excited each week when I see them and we establish a good relationship. So what happened after that was I realised that education is something that I feel strongly about and this year I've just started my postgrad in teaching and education and in a way... It makes me understand so much more about Monica G's pedagogies and her way of teaching because of my exposure to schools and to more children and to different teachers with their different way of teaching and their idea about um, what education is. Earlier this year, um, we got to go to Varanasi, India.
0: You took us there, Monica G. So I'm interested in what it was like for you to Ewen, to learn over there in India, and then, I guess, how that has seeped into your dancing
1: now? Um, a lot of things, actually. I felt that in reflection, I um, have grown um, a, a, an inner strength, you know, through deep training, like every day. And, you know, like that's, that's a, 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 a way of seeing where your limit is and, and our maturity, um, living with a lot of people together, doing things together. And that is not an easy thing to do. And also a, a, a deeper understanding in the stories, um, the abhinaya that we are learning in dance. Because all of the, the, the stories that we we are learning through dance is from India. And being in India means that we see the way of life and we see every physical thing. You know, the, the river Ganga, the women with big pots on their head and things like that that we do all this body language in dance and it it sort of becomes real. And that enriches my understanding. There's many
2: things that feed into why I planned something like that. Uh, One of the first most important things is that when people are coming to learn from me on an evening or in an afternoon, everybody comes You know, they might have been in whatever mood they were at home. They pick themselves up, put on their face, put on their clothes and they come and they are there. And at that time they are focused and they are learning with me. They interact a bit with their friends and then they go. But there is a mask that we all wear when we are attending something for a little while and then we go away and then we can take off that mask or maybe put on another mask. The learning of an art form requires demasking. There needs to be no mask we need to see who you really are because we ourselves don't know who we really are we are constantly playing these roles you know we are only showing our good side but I also, I'm not a perfect human being, I have mood swings, I might be irritable, I might have many poor jokes or maybe sometimes I'm pushing somebody t- too hard or maybe I'm just being non-serious. So there are many aspects to my personality which are also negative negative. and a student and a teacher's relationship is a long-term relationship, especially when you're learning a classical art form and it is important for the student and the teacher to develop deep empathy for each other women on the line so when i decided that i want to take all the students there my uh, my intention was that now that this group has come together i really wanted them to develop the artistic side inside them which is very difficult to develop if you are constantly just coming in to a class and then going back into your world and you're engaging You're not really being pushed into transformation the way you can be when you're put. Firstly, you're taken out of your comfort zone. All your things that make you comfortable are taken away and you're put out of your own own choice and volition in something which is completely something that you cannot even imagine. There, the real character of a person comes out. And I wanted them to experience their own character. Mm. which is very very important in the development of an artistic being second Varanasi is almost a little like okay some people will laugh at me when I'll say it's a little like Melbourne but if you think about it Melbourne is home to almost about 200 different kinds of nationalities it is a city which is very unique which has people of all different kinds of racial backgrounds cultural backgrounds living peacefully together It is a new city. Varanasi, on the other hand, is a 5,000-year-old city. There is a certain kind of a depth in that city which can discomfort you. It can agitate you. Of course, it is a very high, intense living right by the Ganges. That's where we lived. And that feeling and intensity, I felt, was the best way to introduce India to my students. As I said, we think life is very long and we have enough time to learn things. No, life is very short. It is passing by in a flash. And we don't have the luxury of time to dilly-dally and think I'll do that tomorrow or when I am retired. There is no, you don't know. You just go on the street, you'll have an accident finish. Mm. So I thought I would really need them to see the Indian cu- culture so Varanasi is the best place. It is like throwing them into the river and saying swim. Mm. But
0: I'm watching over I'll I'm there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> if help is needed, I will pull them out in
0: an instant. There's an upcoming performance at as part of Mapping
1: Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Could you both please um, talk about that? So we are performing STITI um, on the 16th of December at 6 o'clock as part of the closing for Mapping Melbourne. STITI is a dance performance that is choreographed with the idea of combining elements of odyssey dance technique hatha yoga position martial art form and also folk dance so we have selected stiti or monica has selected (laughs) stiti (laughs) as our choice of performance for um, this festival because of its unique composition. That includes a diversity of art forms that are independent, and yet they influence one another. As even said uh, on the 16th of December,
2: this is the last, second last uh, show of Mapping Melbourne, the event. And I chose, Thiti is uh, choreographed by Srimati Sharmila Bishwas, who is, um, uh, the concept and creation is by her, also the choreography, uh, who is a senior Odissi dancer in India. And we had invited her two years ago to to come and workshop with all of us and uh, she taught us this piece I picked this piece specially because as she said it has hatha yoga Which is the asan part of yoga it has Odissi dancing different kinds of Odissi dancing There is the Gotipua style dancing, which is essentially young boys in Odisha They were trained to be Odissi dancers uh, From a very young age and they did all kinds of acrobatic movements so this piece is also very interesting because it can be done anywhere. You just go and in the middle of the road we can do it. We can just roll on the floor, we can just stamp on the floor. It is not something that requires a proscenium stage. And I really believe classical art should not be confined into, you know, certain kind of a club or a class. It needs to go out more into the life of, you know, life of the city itself. And uh, people should just be walking around the corner and suddenly their mouth should fall open and they should see all these women doing something that they can't imagine seeing on the street. And that was my motivation. Plus, we are Melbourne because we are all different kinds of people coming from different cultures who love odyssey dance, which is an ancient art form, but it is not ancient because it is as contemporary and modern and brand new as a child born the very minute I'm talking. This is what Odissi dance is, it is not a museum piece, it is modern, it is contemporary and I just want us to offer this to the city.
1: You just
0: heard from Monica Singh Salwan and Ewan Su talk about Odissi dance as a growing classical art form. Catch them and the Sohamasi Dance Group performs Thiti on the 16th of December at Mapping Melbourne. Women on the Line is one of Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs programs. It is produced and presented by a range of women broadcasters from 3CR in Melbourne and broadcasted nationally on the Community Radio Network. We welcome your comments or thoughts on today's show. Send us an email at womenontheline at gmail.com. Our programs can be downloaded from our website, 3cr.org.au forward slash on The theme music for Women on the Line is Slideshow at Free University by La Tigra. Thank you for listening to Women on the Line. I've been your host, Tan Tanhang Fan. Hope you can tune in again next time.